Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Caitlin Krebs. She is co-founder and CEO at Nelu Bio. They're focusing on developing solutions through chemistry in cannabis. And we're going to talk to a little bit about uh, the background, the strategy, what they're working on, who they're working it for. Fascinating area. I think that uh, we are seeing kind of new kind of technologies, innovation, approaches to cannabis. And this is a fascinating one. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for the conversation hearing kind of how it came about, where it's going, and where we feel the market is going for, for some of these uh, alternative or other solutions for driving cannabinoids. With that, Caitlin, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate you having me on the show today. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, well, likewise. So before we dig into what's going on today and all the exciting things, it sounds like you've got some fun stuff going on. Let's do background. How did you get into this? Like, what was your what was your background in science and chemistry? What was your background in cannabis? Give us the story. Sure. So I am a biologist by training, but have been in the biotech and life sciences industry for the last 20 years and multiple startups in, in different disease areas, diabetes, Alzheimer's, cancer genomics. But I really love being at the intersection of science and technology and on that frontier. 
So about three years ago, a friend, kind of colleague of mine who's a venture capitalist called me up and, and Phyllis asked me, do I know what CBD is? And I kind of <laughs> chuckled. I kind of chuckled. And I said, yes, Phyllis, I know what CBD is. Um, I'm from the big island of Hawaii. So cannabis and CBD, uh, you know, yeah. is, not, is not new to me. Yep. And we started talking about CBD and one of her, her venture partners had been using CBD for his dad who has MS, multiple sclerosis. Yep. And some days it worked for pain, some days it didn't, some days it was very inconsistent from kind of product to product, batch to batch. And there three of us started looking at this molecule and there's so much potential for cannabinoids, therapeutic potential, but the way in which it's extracted from the plant, you know, it's, it's hard to extract, it's in low concentrations. And so we thought, what if we take the aspirin approach to CBD? What if we manufacture CBD through chemistry? And mm -hmm. kind of Nalubaya was born. And so we've spent really the last two and a half, three years developing a chemistry-based platform to develop cannabinoids. So we're not doing it through the plant, yeah. which is very different, I'm sure, than most of the community. We're not doing it through biosynthesis. Uh, we're doing it through a pure chemistry-based approach. Got it. And well, let's, let's break those down a little bit. So obviously, you know, through the plant is we're cultivating cannabis as plants. We're harvesting them, extractions, things like that, pulling out the cannabinoids. The, the other message is biosynthesis versus chemistry. Explain a little bit about the difference between those. Sure. So biosynthesis, it's actually used in the biotech industry a lot for complex molecules, for large molecules, for antibodies, for proteins. Okay. And what they do is they genetically modify in cannabis yeast or E. coli, and then they basically ferment it and scale it up and then they extract out the CBD or other cannabinoids. And so there are, you know, multiple companies working in this area. You know, I think and we believe that's a great approach for large molecules like antibodies okay. and therapeutics. Yeah. But cannabinoids and actually CBD, it's actually a small molecule. It's 300 molecular weight to get kind of geeky about it. <laughs> and so <laughs> It's almost overkill. Biosynthesis is overkill, we believe, for manufacturing cannabinoids. Got it. So, and overkill from a resource, capital, process, time, like what, what makes it overkill? So definitely from resource and capital investment. So you, you end up building out these kind of large laboratories with fermenters in them, large facilities, you know, 500 liter reactor for biosynthesis gets you basically a pound of CBD. So it's really inefficient. The other piece is it's more of an art than a science. Interesting. Yeah. You know, Talking to someone who is at Cargill and, you know, kind of stevia is, is actually made through biosynthesis. And, you know, he's, he's basically said, we spent the last 20 years perfecting the art of synthesizing stevia. So, yeah. And so it's really just kind of temperature and controls and timing and, you know, getting, dialing all those things in just right. So they produce the maximum yield for minimum material and stuff. That's right. And, you know, you're working with living organisms, right? You're either look, working with, you know, yeast or E. coli. And so it's, you know, organisms are just inherently, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> un, you know, unpredictable and variable. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Versus, you know, a pure chemicals where we're 
adding kind of two chemicals together through a four-step process to get to the cannabinoid of interest. Yeah. And so walk me through then the, the chemical process right here. You're dealing purely with with uh, component chemicals and reacting them in different ways to get to a final product. What like is this? Is this was it hard to figure out? Is it pretty easy? Like what's what's the complexity and what's the nuance to making this process work? Sure. So, you know, synthesizing cannabinoids, whether it's THC or CBD, goes back to Raphael Machulam in Israel. And he did yeah. this, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. So the concept is not new or novel, but how we're doing it is really kind of the the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. And so we we set out to make a very, you know, cost-effective, efficient chemistry platform. And what differentiates our chemistry from others is the cost-effective inputs, so two chemicals that are hundreds of dollars per kilo, so quite inexpensive, and also the number of steps in our chemical pathway. We have four steps in our chemical pathway, and those who are doing it synthetically, typically it's nine to 10 steps. And so the more steps you have, you lose yield at each step. And so you get less CBD Mm. out through the process. And so four steps allows us to have a much higher yield and therefore a cost-effective product at the end of the process. Got it. I'm just kind of curious from a regulatory point of view. I mean, as these component chemicals are normal standard chemicals, and then once you, I guess if you're dealing with, with CBD, you're not running into it. But if you're dealing with THC, like the moment you create THC, now you're under regulatory control. How, like, how does this work from a regulatory framework? Yeah. So we basically say no, no THC, never had it, never will. So our chemistry doesn't create THC throughout the process. And what actually, which, which is actually kind of interesting, what people don't know is it's really just one chemical bond difference between CBD and THC. You you probably know that. And, and so we've created a pathway that doesn't allow the formation of THC. And was that because it works from a chemical process or because you didn't want to get into a situation where you then had THC on hand and we're going to run amok with regulation or both? <laughs> yeah, we didn't want kind of from a mission of the organization, you know, we're focused on wellness and providing CBD and yeah. ultimately derivatives of CBD. So from a, from a mission, but also from a value proposition for the customer. So we know that, you know, many customers, you know, they don't want to touch the plant. They also, you know, want zero THC. And that, that's really a differentiator for us yeah. from, from the adoption perspective. And, and yes, from a regulatory perspective, obviously, we don't want to be um, synthetically making THC yeah. and all yeah. of the above. Yeah. And you know, I guess I'm curious on the market side. I mean, you mentioned a couple of sort of differentiators, right? That it's obviously dealing with kind of a, a purity level. You're dealing with a absolute zero THC. I mean, a, a lot of extraction methods will remove a lot, nearly all, but, you know, still have fractional components of THC in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, how how did you decide or what was the indicators to you that we had, there's a market for this this particular kind of purity and, you know, in terms of a, a CBD in the market? Yeah, well, I would say that's, you know, that's kind of evolved over time. So we always started off saying, you know, we don't touch THC. But as we started talking to customers, you know, you're absolutely right. You know, there's, you know, whether it's 0.3% THC or, you know, 0.1%, it's really impossible to remove all of the THC if you're extracting it through hemp. Yeah. Um, but we started talking to customers and realized, 
there are large kind of ex-US markets who also have, from a regulatory perspective, no tolerance for THC. So, you know, Japan, Korea, some large Asian markets, Europe as well, Germany. So I think, you know, that for us has really evolved over time that we realized, you know, it was more of a principle for us, but we realized that principle was quite valuable to our, our customers. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's talk about maybe the, um, I don't know if it's sensitive or not, but you know, the, the kind of the question of synthetically deriving these things versus, you know, organically driving through plants. I mean, the cannabis community is, is very built on agriculture, you know, that this passion for the plant and cultivation and soil, living soils and all this. I mean, there's a there's a large body of knowledge, body of work and tradition in producing cannabis, you know, from an agricultural point of view. Like how I guess how have you navigated some of the, you know, concerns, differences of opinions, you know, market segments when coming up with a synthetically produced cannabis product? Yeah, I mean, that's been really interesting for me, you know, coming out of the the biotech industry and wanting to take kind of the aspirin approach to to CBD and cannabinoids, you know, we're definitely a disruptor. (laughs) We're a disruptor in kind of a a new market. And so it's been a lot of education. You know, I believe there's a place for, you know, hemp-derived cannabinoids, could be for biosynthesis as well. I mean, this is a big market. It's a $5 billion market growing to $20 billion in 2025. But we've, we've looked back at history and natural products. And if you look at aspirin, you know, aspirin originally came from the willow bark tree yeah. 150 years ago. Now it's manufactured by Bayer in their lab, and it's kind of the number one prescribed medication. Or if you look at letter vitamins, right, vitamin C, vitamin mm-hmm. D, those 70 to 80% of those are synthesized or manufactured. Yeah. Uh, consumers just don't know it. And so what we've focused on is quality, purity, and cost effectiveness. And we believe that that wins out. The plan has definitely been kind of romanticized, mm-hmm. um, you know, in our kind of opinion. But if you look at, you know, if everything were equal, consumers would want natural and organic. You know, if cost was equal, if purity was equal, if quality was equal, they would want organic, but they're just, they're not equal. And so, you know, we believe purity and quality will win out over natural and organic. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. From this whole kind of entourage effect question, right? Do these individual cannabinoids work in, in the same way? independently as they do collectively, I guess, what have you kind of found? What's your research? What are your conclusions? And how are you kind of approaching this kind of formulation or or entourage effect kind of question? Yeah. So the entourage effect is really, you know, I think quite controversial. I think part of it stems from it's harder to get out pure isolate if it's CBD or CBG or CBN or CBC out of the plant. And so, you know, having more you know, kind of the the understanding or the belief is that's better. There's not a lot of data to support that. And so as scientists, we're data driven, you know, I've seen one or two studies to support the entourage effect. So what we are very well set up to do is we can synthesize and create, you know, CBD, ultra pure, we can then do CBN, CBG, CBC, and we can combine them to actually study the effects and, and actually either kind of confirm or deny the entourage effect. Yeah. And, and how hard are these, some of these other 
cannabinoids. I mean, you, you there's a bunch of three letter words in there. <laughs> which which ones are? <laughs> which ones are? I mean, you, you, right. I mean, you mentioned uh, you know CBD is 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 just one bond different than than THC. Some of these other ones are they harder to produce, easier easier produce? What's the what do they look like from a manufacturing point of view? So from a manufacturing point of view, in our four step process. The third step is getting to an intermediate called olivetol. Olivetol, you know, basically you've probably heard of olivetolic acid. So olivetol, yeah. olivetol is the building block for us. So getting to olivetol is a very novel process which we've developed, and then getting from olivetol to CBD, CBN, CBC, that allows us to create many other cannabinoids. Some are easier, some are harder than others to develop off of olivetol, but olivetol is really the platform in which we use to create the other minor cannabinoids. Got it. So you, you create a, a kind of building block molecule and then you can you can kind of go from there, kind of Lego, Lego style. That, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And where do you see the market for some of these things? I mean, you mentioned uh, some of the Asian markets that are looking for absolutely zero THC content CBD. Are some of these other molecules actually getting some traction? Are you seeing demand for them? So, you know, CBD is definitely the, the main one right now. And we see ourselves as really opening up markets so that, you know, large consumer packaged goods companies who don't want to touch the, the hemp plant, who have no tolerance for THC, you know, we're going after consumer packaged goods companies who want to put, you know, CBD into, you know, skincare, ultimately food and beverage, you know, pet as another big category as well. And so we see ourselves as kind of opening up a, a market for that. But, you know, we have interest from even suppliers and manufacturers today who have customers, you know, XUS customers who, you know, have zero tolerance for THC. So they're coming to us actually for the ingredient. So, you know, I think near term, we will play in the current market, but we also see ourselves opening up, you know, hopefully, you know, Coke or Pepsi or some large beverage company will decide they're going to put CBD into mm -hmm. a sparkling water. And, and we were able to scale for that as well. You know, chemistry scales quite quickly and easily yeah. versus obviously growing a plant or uh, fermenting using a fermentation-based process. Yeah. yeah. And is your... I mean, is your business strategy that you're going to be providing the CBD to these companies? Or are you going to license your kind of methodology and process to, I mean, Coke and Pepsi, I'm sure have facilities they could convert or start doing this stuff. I mean, how do you, what are the dynamics or how do you see that kind of the decisions being made and how you're positioning yourselves to play in that market? Yeah. So in the near term, we are a pure kind of B2B ingredient business. So, you know, anyone who wants, so we're not a product company, we're not going direct to consumer and selling, you know, CBD products. But our story started off with Randall and his dad having MS. We also longer term want to create derivatives of the cannabinoids of CBD for opioid sparing and pain. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of the longer term vision and mission of the, the company. So near term, we will be a kind of CBD ingredient manufacturer B2B, but longer term, we'll create basically these new chemical entities. We take we take CBD, we take CBN, we take CBC, and we actually change the molecule. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at that for, again, kind of pain and opioid sparing, and that would be a licensing model. So we would license those basically to pharmaceutical companies for, for, for therapeutic use. So we're kind of the innovation engine. We're the chemistry innovation yeah. engine, whether we use it in retail or we use it in pharma. 
that's kind of near and longer term strategies. Yeah. And this whole idea of sort of slightly modifying these molecules to have different effects or different properties. I mean, this, this is something that's pretty traditional in pharmaceutical, but we haven't really seen it much in cannabis yet. That's exactly right. I mean, CBD has only been legal for a couple of years. So the interesting thing about the CBD space is there hasn't been a lot of you know basic research in it because you don't have academics testing this in their lab for different therapeutic yeah. areas, doing some, you know, kind of cellular and animal studies. So it's it's definitely new and it's definitely new for the CBD and cannabis world. You know, our approach, we look pretty different to most companies in, yeah. in this space. And, and that's actually been a challenge for us because, you know, we're really a biotech company, but we're playing mm -hmm. in the in the CBD and, and cannabis space. So you know, it takes a lot of education to really explain, you know, what we're doing at NALU and how, you know, we're basically using a pharma approach to this, to this kind of molecule. What I believe, but yeah. it, it's me super exciting. What I am very passionate about is just the therapeutic potential of CBD. It's pretty, I've never seen anything like it. So we just need the data to prove it. Yeah. And, and where, I mean, th this is through the studies that you've seen through your own kind of experiences where, where what's giving you that kind of that passion and that excitement? So, you know, I've been in a kind of diabetes and if you've got a molecule in diabetes, you know, sometimes it works for diabetes, metabolic syndrome, cardiovascular disease, but it's kind of focused in one area or in inflammation, right? It could work in rheumatoid arthritis or an autoimmune disease, but again, it, it's kind of focused in kind of two or three different therapeutic areas. And so I started doing doing my own research into CBD. And there are papers, you know, that range from diabetes to cancer to Alzheimer's to inflammation to skin diseases, pain. The list goes on and on. It's like hundreds of different papers. And so there aren't many large randomized control trials, you know, in one particular area. Pain is probably one of the more validated areas. But that's, that's what, you know, kind of just being, being in different therapeutic areas and seeing a molecule that has data across a wide variety of diseases is kind of what got me really excited about it. Yeah. And where, I mean, where do you think some of this is going? I mean, are there areas that um, still not quite researched that you hope maybe have some application? I mean, what, what's kind of on the horizon for you in terms of new information that you think could be, could be discovered around application of, of CBD or other cannabinoids? I mean, I think there are so many different areas in which to explore. You know, we're focused on pain, uh, which is actually a, a challenging therapeutic area but we believe could have a huge impact. So I actually saw a New York Times article, I think it was yesterday, that there have been more deaths from drug overdose in the last 12 months due to COVID than ever, than 100,000 really? deaths, more than car accident and more than kind of gunshot. This is just because from like stress from COVID that people are, are overdosing? This is from stress from COVID, exactly. Yeah, people yeah. are overdosing. And so imagine if we could give them a, you know, a non-addictive solution for that based on cannabinoids, like that would be, that would be tremendous. And so I think the therapeutic potential just in pain is significant. But inflammation, all the inflammatory diseases, I think there's a lot of potential there. You know, sleep depression, people are already using CBD for sleep depression mood. Mm -hmm. Also, I think a very exciting area. So, so, you know, we just need more companies like NALU wanting to generate data to support the evidence for that. Yeah. I mean, I've seen various companies that are trying to really push collecting this data, you know, through, you know, clinical trials, through longitudinal studies. What 
I mean, what have you seen that's promising in terms of helping get more data, build more research, you know, either, you know, specific companies that are doing things, organizations, as well as, you know, anything that you see in the policy regulatory framework that's going to help help get this data to market, really? Yeah, so I think there's the data that's been collected now, I'd still say it's a lot of kind of observational data, asking patients, you know, how they're feeling, how they're using it, what they're using it for. That's encouraging, but we need, you know, true clinical studies to validate a lot of these therapeutic areas. And so I think that's what's missing from the industry is a true, you know, biotech and pharma approach to validating the efficacy of CBD or some of these minor cannabinoids. So I think we still have a long way to go. From a regulatory perspective, I'm seeing a lot of pressure on the FDA to, you know, make CBD generally regarded as safe, a grass ingredient. I think you've probably seen California and Texas have come out now and said, you can put CBD into food and beverage, which goes against the FDA, what the FDA is saying. And so there's a lot of pressure. And I think once the FDA makes a ruling that says CBD is safe, I think we're going to see a lot more studies available and will really open up kind of the, the data and the studies needed to kind of validate its efficacy. Yeah. I'm curious, what, the, what have been the challenges for the business to date? I mean, it, it sounds like there's there's the whole kind of chemical process that you've had to kind of design, validate, implement. But in terms of the other aspects of the business, you know, finding people, facilities, raising capital, like wh- where where have you run into challenges? What have been some of the hurdles you've had to overcome? So definitely one, just, um, you know, education, educating people about chemistry and that it's a viable approach. I think that's been one of the challenges. Figuring out where we fit, you know, are we a biotech company? Are we a cannabis or CBD company? And definitely on the investment side, you know, so if we we don't look like a cannabis or CBD company, but then biotech investors are nervous still um, to invest in CBD, you know, some of for some of them, it's still a vice in their, you know, their LP docs, basically their limited partners of these venture funds have said, oh, CBD is still on the fringe. So, you know, even though you and I think it's, you know, safe and fairly ubiquitous, there's still a lot of hesitance and stigma really attached to it. That's been definitely one of our, our biggest hurdles. And where, like, what's the next step for you? Like, as you kind of look at your strategic plan, um, what are you hoping to achieve in the in the coming quarters, coming years? So we're in the process of scaling up manufacturing. So we have a large, actually have two large contract manufacturers working to scale up CBD for us. So kind of scale, getting to commercial scale, you know, by the end of next year, you know, having many customers, kind of revenues, that's a big milestone for us. And then the other milestone is, validating some of our derivatives. So we're making, as I said, changing the molecules and putting those into kind of preclinical models to validate that they work for for pain and opioid sparing. That's another big milestone we'll hit kind of mid to end of next year. Mm-hmm. And then one. just, cust- you know, kind of growing customer adoption, obviously. Yeah. Anything, I mean, you mentioned the FDA kind of ruling on, on CBD. Any other kind of regulatory, legal rulings, frameworks that you're watching, hoping for, <laughs> planning for in different ways? What's what's on your, what, what's on the horizon that you're watching? Yeah. So, you know, always watching kind of the FDA. I think that's probably the biggest kind of wild card in all of this, but hoping that other states follow California and Texas on being able to put CBD into food and beverage. I see that as kind of the, 
one of the larger inflection points from a, for us uh, as a company. So hoping that, you know, Washington, Oregon, Colorado, you know, the kind of big markets will then open up CBD um, for food and beverage. That's, that's something that I think will happen in the coming year. Yeah. Caitlin, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Nalu, what's the best way to get that information? So uh, go to nalubio, N-A-L-U-Bio.com, or feel free to email me, Caitlin at nalubio.com. Great. I'll make sure the information is in the show notes so people can get that. I highly encourage everyone to check it out. Caitlin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate it. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.